Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast. This podcast covers the races run every weekend on publichandicapper.com. And while we are taking time off from PH, the podcast goes on. This is show number 40, November 22nd, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how's your break from Public Handicapper editorial duty? It's going well. I'm gearing up for Thanksgiving week next weekend and um, sort of just coasting along between Breeders' Cup and Thanksgiving as far as racing goes. Do you find it a refresher to not have to do an analysis, uh, type up an analysis for the month of November? I, you know, I don't know. It, it, I haven't looked as many races, um, but I, I never really mind writing that up. So, no, I don't really, it's not like I felt exhausted and needed a freshening. Um, so, no, not really. Okay, great. Well, I actually do find it refreshing just because I have to do the news and I have to do the results. So every Sunday morning, one of the first things I have to do when I wake up is type up the news and put in the results for the, the contest. So I actually really enjoy it, but I also look forward to resuming and our next contest will start December 7th. It's the winter of our discontent. So get ready for that folks. If you haven't signed up for public handicapper yet, uh, just sign up anytime between now and then, and you will get an announcement about the races. Now this week we don't have the greatest stakes race stakes races to cover so we're going to go over a few stakes but throw in the late pick five from aqueduct on saturday the races that we'll be covering are the ninth race from woodbine the coronation futurity for two-year-olds the eighth race at del mar which is the native diver stakes and then we'll do the late pick five at aqueduct which includes the ninth the red smith stakes at a mile and three eighths on turf the Public Handicapper Podcast is brought to you by DRF Bets. Did you know DRF Bets now has weekly cash back of up to 5% of your wagers? It's also the only wagering platform that allows you to build and submit Ticketmaker plays. And you can get free PPs just by betting. Sign up now with a deposit of $50 and get another 100 to bet the very next day. To take advantage of this offer, go to the publichandicapper.com homepage and click on the DRF Bets banner at the top. It's the only way we get credit for having sent you there, and we need the credit. We'll start with the sixth race at Aqueduct, which is a maiden special weight, a mile and a 16th on the turf for two-year-old maidens. And we'll let you start, Chris. What do you think? Well, these two-year-old races are always tough, these maiden races especially, because the horses are all so lightly raced. I mean, most of the horses in here have either not ever started 
or have just one start. So that makes it really difficult, especially when one of the horses is a Chad Brown second time starter who ran really fast in his dirt sprint debut. And now he stretches out on the turf and he really is bred to handle more distance and the change in surfaces. He's out of a kitten's joy mare by Wicked Strong, who is by Hard Spun. So there's turf breeding, strong turf breeding on his dam side and reasonably good turf breeding on the sire side. So that horse is definitely the one to beat. He also has lots of speed that he showed in his dirt debut. So he might even get an easy lead in here, although there are other horses that might challenge him, and hopefully they will. But all that being said, this is his first time going route. It is his first time on turf. He'll, he will be heavily bet. So with all those question marks it, in a race with all kinds of horses with upside, it's, it's um, certainly a horse that could be beaten, although in the pick five, these races are sort of a dilemma because if you include him, you're not getting any value. And if you leave him out, he could easily knock you out in the first leg. So um, I never liked that situation. Anyway, with all that preface, uh, I did find a few horses I think are live at a price in here. The one I like the most is probably Canenos or Canenos. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. The seven horse. Uh, this horse is making only a second start. He's very well bred. Um, he uh, had not a great trip in his debut. He basically got left at the gate and had no chance right from the start. But he finished up really well in that race. And, you know, he's by Empire Maker out of a, a stakes, well, maybe not a stakes winning mare, but a, a fast mare. And he gets a switch in riders to Javier Castellano. And it's Brad Cox, the trainer, who does really well um, with second-time starters. And he already has been the distance, and he really is bred to get the distance. So that shouldn't be an issue. Um, so if he breaks alertly, he could run a really big race. Um, so that's probably the horse I like the most. Coming out of the same race is another horse, the four-horse Plan of Attack, who is was interesting because if you watch the replay of the race, in like mid-stretch, he tries to savage the horse next to him. He tries to take a bite right out of the neck of, of the horse next to him. And so the rider had to snatch him up, um, you know, pull his head away and sort of snatch him up. So it, I think he could have finished much better than he did. Um, and he's coming out of that same race, and uh, both of those horses could, you know, really improve a lot in their second start. And that's the sort of horse that I usually like to play in here. One where at least I, I get to see one race, and I see some reasons to think that they will improve, either based on breeding or the trip they had, or changing riders, or um, you know, trainer stat um, that's favorable. So. Um, those are the two, number four, Plan of Attack, number seven, Canaños. There's other horses in here, just about all of them, that you could, you have to be a little leery of because you don't know how good or bad they are yet. Um, 
but those are the two that I'm probably the most interested in from a value standpoint. All right. Well, this is when we play the pick five, there are some races where you have to go deep and usually they are the races that are main races. Not only do you have horses who've never run before, but like you said, uh, many are making only their second start and plan of attack definitely has to be included because he not only had trouble, but then did savage that rival, which was pretty, pretty funny. And that actually isn't in the chart. They just said he steadied, but uh, that's the reason he steadied because he tried to munch the horse next to him. Uh, there's, I, I'm, I don't have to pick a winner in this race. And as part of the pick five, that's, that's fine because I don't really want to have to pick a winner in this race. The, the question is, how deep do you go? And the first question is, do we include Telephone Talker, who is the one? The only negative that I see there is that he was on a track that was favoring speed that day. And three of the six races that were run on dirt that day were one on the lead. And he was in one of the races that was not. So it got a racing flow closure, closer favorability rating of 10 or CFR. And he will probably get a downgrade based on that. So I am contemplating not including that particular horse. The horses that I am including, and I probably will end up including Telephone Talker because, um, because that breeding is great. And like, so what if he, if his first race wasn't as impressive as it was it should be just because he was running on dirt and he's probably turf horse so the other horses that i'm interested in are uh the three manolito who has a little bit of turf breeding and had trouble in both of his first two races and really has some nice workouts so at 50 to 1 i can see that horse third start winning this race and yeah the, the first two races on dirt were really bad but the horse showed speed in both races and also had trouble in both races now i haven't seen the races but because they're on dirt you can kind of toss them so so i have to include the three manolito at 50 to 1 because if that pick five starts with a 50 to 1 winning it you want to be a part of it. So if you're going to go deep, which I am going to, you might as well go really deep. And because the horse has some breeding and because the trainer has hit with a first time turfer at 30 to one, that's another reason why I want to include this horse. Uh, of course I would include plan of attack. I would include Lord of the Nile who had some trouble at the start and looked pretty green during his debut and also gets in with a five pound bug. So Lord of the Nile, I would include. I'm gonna pass on Tapaloof who was 15 to one and didn't officially have any trouble. And that's a horse that I feel like I maybe I can skip, okay? But Kenenos is definitely an include. Mandate is likely an include. Has a really nice gate work. The only negative on mandate is he doesn't particularly have great turf breeding. So, so I'm contemplating not including mandate, 
but assuming that I do include them, I'm right now I'm nine deep. I would also include eagerly in this race because eagerly uh, was had a couple of nice races on turf, and then the the sloppy race is a complete toss. And then I would also include Voodoo Zip, and I would include Assiduously, who's a Chad Brown firster, who we have to assume is pretty good. Now, normally, Rosario, Chad Brown doesn't use Joel Rosario on first-time starters. So I checked out those stats, and he's 5 for 26 with a 198 ROI, roughly. It's... it's, uh, 188 ROI. So I would include that horse just because he's really, really well bred and also has a nice gate work. And if uh, I have a few rules as far as pick fives with maiden races like this, always bet second time starters, bet any horse that had trouble, bet any horse that has a gate work of 49 or better. And if it's five furlongs, 101 or better. And and then um, I, I, I think that's it. Now, if I am going to skip Tapaloof, who didn't really have trouble, but is a second-time starter and does seem to have some solid breeding, uh, is a half to Balan Rose, who's an all-right horse for Chad Brown. You know, I may have to include that horse, but but in in you know, I'm looking at this race as I've got to go deep and just hope that a low price horse doesn't win. And the only question is, do I take the chance of skipping the one telephone talker? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you sort of described. I'm just going to talk more about the betting part of it than the horses. I think you covered most all the horses. Uh, that's the dilemma you have in this race. It's hard to eliminate any of them. But if you if you include Telephone Talker, then you could spend a fortune playing this race and end up with a four to five winner. So that's the the question you got. You have that's the dilemma. Um, my own bias is you either play, you either toss telephone talker and I would just play everybody else. I wouldn't leave one or two out. It doesn't cost you that much more to play 12 and 10. And, you and you know, it's hard to leave anybody out here. Or I just say, hey, I'm just going to take a shot with telephone talker and, and just single him. I wouldn't add, include him in because if he does come in, then you spend all that money for on a four to five shot. Um, so there's just a super negative value, negative equity in your ticket. Um, if you're, if you think he can be beat, then toss him. If you don't, then single him. I wouldn't play. I wouldn't do an all in here with him in it. Um, so that's kind of my thinking on this. Um, just two things. One, once you get beyond seven or eight horses, you might as well include them all because you're not adding that much more in the cost. Um, and be, you know, I wouldn't put in a horse that's going to be odds on in an all ticket in a 12 horse race. Those are just the two things that the kind of guidelines I would use in playing the pick five. Yeah, I'm, I'm also conflicted with 
Queen's Empire, who's the Mott horse all the way on the outside. The, not only does he have a solid record with first-time starter turf route horses, but the mother, Crown Queen, was a stakes winner and very fast on the turf. And even though the workouts don't look that great, sometimes he pops and he's with Junior Alvarado, who he's been hitting with. So, so that's another horse that I'd want to include, and that doesn't even include... He's not even in my 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 nine horse uh, <laughs> my nine horse list right now. So 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 that may be a way. Going all without the one may be the way to go, especially given that uh, somewhat negative that the horse had uh, a favorable setup in the last race. So it looks a little bit more impressive than it really is. Uh, and, yeah, and, and your Manolito horse is the one horse that might go with him early. You know, that could be the horse that, that messes up Telephone Talker. Um, so you spend a little time on that horse. He does have early speed. Um, and with, uh, you know, there's a good chance they send him and that might help everybody else's chances a bit. Okay, well, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about constructing the ticket when we get to the end of the sequence. In the meantime, let's go to the seventh race. And the seventh race, that's where I'm going to go. That's an allowance race, seven furlongs on the dirt. And that's the race where I am actually going to single to Chad. That is free enterprise, and he's the seven. He's clearly the fastest horse. He, if, uh, I, I, I didn't look at buyers, but... Um, Based on the other figures that I'm looking at, he's clearly the fastest horse. He's got a 101 buyer. It was a maiden race. So there may be people who think, hey, he's going from maiden to an allowance, so he's vulnerable. He may be, but he is the fastest horse in the race. And it's a bit of a stretch for me to think that any of these horses are going to jump up by four or five lengths, which is really, that's how much slower they are than free enterprise so so i'm just going to stick with that and and hope that uh, he doesn't go off odds on and that he actually goes off as high as nine to five morning line that's it's this is what i love about um handicapping races and these kinds of you know the podcast where you and i can talk about it or when you're just sitting you know at the racetrack with your friends talking about a race is that we're looking at pretty much the same information and we can form such different opinions because for me, I'm all about betting against the Chad horse in here. Um, and I, and it's, I don't disagree with what you said. He's clearly run the fastest race of any horse in here, but this is a race full with four or five horses in here who to me look like they could run, could just jump way up in terms of their best performance. Some of them are are lightly raced coming off long layoffs, and those horses are always dangerous to improve quite a bit. We've talked about that many times on the pod. And there's a couple others who are making, you know, trainer changes to big time move up trainers that could really improve them. So with five horses like that in this race, I think there's a really good chance one or two of them will make a big jump and be able to outrun free enterprise who i think is definitely likely to run his race i just think he could still get beat 
The other thing about him is he's a money burner in that he has run four races. It took him four starts to break his maiden. He ran well in all of them, but you know he got beat at three to five, odds on. And he had to be in a race where he was one to five before he finally broke his maiden. So he's not like super game gritty type who if he does get in a battle, you know, is likely to, you know, bear down and, and lower his shoulder and, and drive through the wire. So I think he's very vulnerable in here, not not because he's a horse I think is going to run a bad race, which is often the kinds of favorites you're beating, but because he's very unlikely to improve much off of his races that he's run. And there's quite a few others in here who are likely to. Um, and so I'll run through a couple of them. Uh, I'm not in love with any of them, although from a price standpoint, probably the one I like the most is the one horse fast talking who clearly has some physical issues. You know, this is near the end of his four-year-old year and he's had two starts, one as a three-year-old in the spring and one as a four-year-old in the winter. But he clearly has talent. His last race was really impressive, and that was right off the layoff. And now it's been, you know, 10 months since then, and he's coming back for his third start, and there's no reason to think he couldn't improve quite a bit off of that second start uh, for a good trainer, Shug McGahey. And, you know, that horse, I'm not saying he will, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ran the number fast enough to win this race. The thing I don't like about him is he drew the rail and just seems like in modern racing, these tracks, they just somehow the maintenance is screwing the rails up quite often. So um, I'll have to watch some races um, at Aqueduct. There's, it hasn't been a horrible rail, but that always makes me nervous. But at you know 12 to 1 morning line, that horse, really interesting. You know, the two horses, a similar one with even more upside is that double orb for Steve Asmussen, who looked really good in his debut, and then something went wrong, and now he comes back six months later And for Asmussen. And th this horse is interesting in that um, before his debut, um, he had some fast workouts. Uh, and for Asmussen, that's unusual for it to have workouts as fast as he did back before his first race. He hasn't been working as fast since, but that just shows you that horse has a lot of talent. So he could run, he could be, he could run any kind of number in here. Uh, and even the three horses coming off a long layoff and could improve. But probably, uh, you know, the one is the value of those horses. And then you've got two horses that are getting trainer switches, Rudy Rod. Regus off the claim with number four, the caretaker. That horse has some back numbers and, and it could jump ahead off of that claim. And even more dangerous probably is the five horse Kong style who has a pretty solid line. And he's coming off a long layoff and he switches to, you know, the, the best magician of them all right now and Jason service. And he had some, he, he um, had some fast workouts down in Florida, and then I think they switched barns and ownership, and he shipped to New York, and he's had the standard really slow workouts that you always see with Jason service horses. But that horse could run any kind of number coming out of that 
um, off that trainer chain. So, you know, to me, one of those horses is probably going to jump way up, and the value is probably fast talking. Um, so, in this race, I'm I'm trying to beat Reno Prize, and if I'm playing the pick five, I'm tossing. So, this is a race where I think you can get a lot of value because you can you can beat a four to five shot. Um, so. Uh, I'm kind of the opposite end from you on this one. Although, if to me, this is another race where you've got to do either what you're doing, which is singling him, or what I'm saying you should do, which is tossing. So, uh, but I don't think you want to go deep and then include him. That's the, the way not to play it. Are you going to toss the one, the telephone talker in the sixth race? Um. I'm probably not playing the pick five, but if I were, I would definitely toss. I'd toss telephone talker. I, my whole thing here would be, if I can beat the two chads in the first two legs, then um, I'm going to get paid handsomely. That's how I would go after it. All right. Well, um, and look, I I spend my life trying to beat the favorites, and I just I. I, I do allow that uh, many of these horses, even in even creative style, the eight horse could run um, a lifetime number and and beat free enterprise. But at the same time, the uh, spacing is great. The, the the figures are faster. The the one I will say that Charlie McCoy has run a number fast enough to win this race, at, assuming that there's no other huge jump up. But he is not working out that great and his trainer's not great off the 180 day layoff. She's seven for 61 with an 090 0.90 ROI. So I'm in, in this scenario, I'm keeping it simple and just going with the, clearly the fastest horse who, who really doesn't carry extra weight, carries two pounds more than some of the horses. Most of them are the same. So, so in, in, from my view, this horse kind of looks like the value when other people try to beat him. So uh, we'll see. But I, you know, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I get it. But I'm trying to beat him in the other leg, and uh, where I think he's much more vulnerable than this particular leg. All right, so let's go back. Let's go on to the eighth race, which is a six furlong on the outer turf. An allowance optional claimer. What did you think here? This race, <laughs> it's a pretty tough race. This is a tough pick five sequence uh, to narrow things down. But there is a horse that's kind of the standard horse that I like to play in that it's a horse that can win the race, but its recent form is just really muddied up with races that you can give the horse excuses for. Um, and that's the three horse buffs in love. And what muddies this horse's form up so much is three of his last four races have been on dirt. And well, he's only had one turf race, which was much better than the three dirt races. But and he also didn't have a really good trip that in that race either. Um, he didn't have any really big trouble, but he was just kind of stuck in traffic and kind of shuffled and checked not really checked but kind of held and 
He just never really got to run until the very end, and then by then he just wasn't really interested. Um, but if you go back um, earlier in the summer, before that recent grouping of races where he has excuses for, he put together some really good races that are fast enough to win in here. So to me, um, that sort of clouded form is what I really like um, because there's no reason why you should, that he couldn't run back to those races. I don't think his form's as bad as it looks. I think that's um, really not the case. Uh, yeah, he might not win this race, but he's 20 to 1 on the morning line. And if he runs his best race, which wasn't that long ago, he wins or could win. And so that's the sort of horse that I'm always interested in playing. Um, definitely, if you're playing the pick five, you want to include him. But this is a race where you can bet him, you know, key him, and not necessarily just to win either. You can maybe key him in second or even third and and get some money out of this race. So he's the one I'm the most interested in. Uh, I think you can uh, make a case for several others, but I'll let you jump in and then if there's a horse that you don't mention that I want to highlight as well I'll jump back in all right well I'm going to name almost all of them <laughs> this is another one where I have to go deep uh, I I think the one one is kind of a borderline horse but he's circling back she is circling back that's uh, something magical the horse is circling back to a number that can win this race was fast as a two-year-old and just tossed the last race, which was uh, at a mile and an eighth. And this horse is about sprinting. Um, the, the, the best numbers for this horse are sprinting. And that was a mile and an eighth on what they're saying is a, a dead rail. Uh, that's on the sheets saying it's a dead rail. So, so assuming that you just put your thumb over that particular race, the horse is fast enough to win. I, I am a little bit dismayed that it's carrying 124 pounds, but so there's a possibility I would cut the horse, but I like it. Uh, I, I agree with you. Buffs in Love is a must include, is in fact the fastest horse in the race. So uh, based on previous figures, um, the Laurel and Monmouth races over the summer both come up faster, at least on the figures I'm looking at than any other horse in this race. The four, my mystique, Miss Mystique is also fast enough to win and would be hard for me to exclude at eight to one. The five, Honey, I'm Good, is third off a layoff and just, just one, just one on the turf. And it's really, really hard for me to not include this horse, even though She's not going to be a great price. She's seven to two. Albertville is fast enough. And I'm not going to go into too much detail on all these horses. I would also include the seven, eight, nine, and maybe even the 10. The 10 has run two races off a year long layoff. And yeah, I, I would include the 10. So basically, the only horse that I would not include in this race is the two, Kalina's Song. And, and even that one, I feel a little bad. So I may have to go all in this race because Kalina Song has one, one race on the turf where uh, the horse steadied 
and it was a, a, a two-turn turf race and is almost fast enough on the dirt and ran fast in her debut. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to miss this one either. So, so if back to your rule, if you're going to go eight deep, you might as well just go all. Yeah. And this one, you're not going to have, you know, a four to five shot win. None of these horses are going to go off at four to five. So this is one where you, you could go all without ending up, you know, with a horse that pays 360 to win. So, uh, uh, I I am kind of with you in that it's hard to separate these horses. That's why I'm not excited about the race from a pick five standpoint too much. Um, I'm more like let's key buffs in love and hope that horse runs and gets a trip. Of the other horses from a value standpoint, I I'm with you that four horse Miss Mystique at eight to one seems as likely to win as any of the others that are lower prices. So. Um, it is. This one could be one of those blanket finishes at the end with, you know, four or five horses right across the track, all within a half length of one another. All right. Well, then let's move on to the, the feature race, which is the Red Smith Stakes at a mile and three eighths on the turf, a purse of 200000 for three-year-olds and up. I'll start this one since we're alternating. It looks like a really good race. Um, I'm going to... I think that a lot of these horses can win, but I'm probably going to narrow it down to three that I like the most. And what, at least one of them is a price. One is Dot Matrix, who... That's the first one I like. Um, is coming off an off race. And... The, the, the two races before that were, were numbers-wise, were enough to win this race. And I, I love seeing a horse that runs two top races, then an off race, but not like crazy off. And um, so, so that horse has a great shot to improve off the two races before her last race, his last race, sorry, Dot Matrix seems like it could be a woman, a girl's name. And uh, the next horse I like, I, it's really hard for me to exclude Sadler's Joy. He's got beautiful pattern. He's no value, but I don't want to lose the pick four, the pick five. And I'm probably going to play the pick five. I don't want to lose the pick five if Sadler's Joy wins this race. And everything about him says he's going to win, except that he is no value. That's, that's the only thing. But he's going to run the best number, at least uh, based on what I'm looking at. And then the other horse that I'm really interested in is Red Knight, who matched his best race in his last race. I've liked him before. He went a little bit off form, unfortunately, as soon as I started liking him. And uh, now he's back. And uh, I admit that I have a little bit of a fondness in my heart for this horse because his damn sire is Skip Away. So those are the three that I like. Uh, what did you think in this race? Well, first of all, Dot Matrix I'll cheer for because that's actually a Marshall Graham homebred. He bred that horse and still owns it. Ten Strike Racing owns it. Um, so I'll cheer for that horse. I'm not that high on it, actually, because it's never gone more, I think, than a mile and an eighth. It's really not bred to go you know, a mile and three eighths. So um, I have a hard time 
thinking that horse could win. It might get a piece, but I'm not too interested in playing horses that aren't bred to get these longer distances when they try it for the first time. So I'm not too high on the horse, but that's a horse I'll be cheering for. Um, Sadler's Joy, he's, you know, the best horse from a consistent standpoint and from a number standpoint, but you know, I don't see how you can take a short price on a horse that hasn't won him a year and a half. Um, he just doesn't win. He al- He's always finishing, and he usually runs a pretty good race, but he just doesn't win very often. And so, you know, I, I just have a hard time playing a horse that hasn't won in a year and a half and has only won like one or two races in the last two or three years. So this might be one that he wins, but that's the kind I'm always betting against on the wind in the wind pool so i could toss him in here uh even in the pick four although i get it you hate to get knocked out if he beats you but i mean he hasn't won in a year and a half so if he does beat me i'll just say hey i'm willing to bet against a horse that's you know six to five um that hasn't won in a year and a half and it's not like he hasn't been running at all you know that's in his last seven or eight tries he hasn't been able to win he has been facing good horses probably better than these so that you give him that excuse, but even when he when he runs against lesser horses, he just has a habit of always coming up short. Either hits the lead too early and he gets nailed at the wire, or he just you know doesn't get rolling until too late. Just the kind of horse that's really trip dependent. Um, that I would be really nervous about uh, um, counting on to win. And Javier Castellano. I don't know if he's he's ridden it quite a bit. I don't know if he's ever won on this horse. Oh, he did. I guess he did way back in, a couple of years ago. But like the last five, five <laughs> yeah, or six he, times. He, he won his la- the last time. Oh, actually, you know, I'm looking at the wrong jo- wrong race. But um, he he has. But, yeah. <laughs> you got to go I, a long I think it was ways before, back. Before we were born. <laughs> so I don't want to I, I don't want to diss the horse too much. But I'm just saying. He's not the kind of horse I want to lean on real heavily to win at a short price. So, uh, but he's clearly the best horse. The, of the, the the fastest horse in the race actually is the 11 horse, who to me is a little more interesting. Um, Glorious Empire. This horse is kind of was a no- notorious bleeder, and they brought it over to the U.S. from Europe. It started running much better. It has a habit of you know, running some bad races along with the good races. Um, but it's going third race off the layoff. So it might be sitting on, you know, it might be really fit. Uh, you give it some, some excuses for its last couple of races. Uh, one was just off the layoff, and it was probably much shorter than he really wants to go. This horse really likes the longer distances. And then the last race kind of got off to a bad start. And, you know, just was hung out a little wide and you know it just wasn't a great trip um and maybe it still needed another race to get fit it is an eight-year-old uh it could run a clunker in here but it could also get an easy lead and just wire the field and it's six to one on the morning line which is not super exciting but it might float up uh given that its last two races weren't that good and that's a horse I think you have to include if you're playing the pick five, um, Glorious Empire. I'm kind of with you on Red Knight. That horse fits in here. 
Uh, I wouldn't talk anybody out of that one. Probably the two horses from a value standpoint that I like the most are, um, first of all, the two horse, the, the foreign shipper for Clement, who I always like these foreign horses going long distances in the U.S. Uh, it'll get Lasix. It has a, a number that's probably about as good as anybody in the race has run other than Sadler's Joy and and um, Glorious Empire, and it certainly could improve off that uh, shipping over here with Lasix. So that's one I would definitely include and could be playable depending on how they bet it. And then the other horse I like who I, I just feel like is ready to run a, the race of its life would be the three-horse Nakamura who should get a good trip from that post. It is one of these horses that comes from pretty far out, but um, it had some trouble last time out and, and also was sort of hung wide and it still ran a good race. Um, I think it could have won with a better trip and it has a good workout since then and, and Jose Ortiz is riding. Um, so, and the horse is very consistent this year, it really has never run a bad race, but it hasn't really had a breakthrough race. And I think this might be where if he gets the trip, he could do it. And that horse is like 10 to one in the morning line. So I think this race is interesting because Sadler's Joy is a little, is not real reliable to win. Um, but it, and it's hard to narrow things down. If I had to play this in the pick five, probably the horses I would want to use the most would be Glorious Empire, the 11, uh, Petite Fields. Is that what you say? Or how would you say Petite that? Petite or Phil. Petite Fee. Petite I think you don't pronounce Fee. the L or S. Yeah, that I knew I, I knew that, that sounds right. Petite Fee and three Nakamura and the eight Red Knight. And I would toss out Sadler's Joy um, there's some others you could include, but um, those are the four that I like the most. And from a betting this individual race, if Glorious Empire floated up, I'd be interested in that one. And Nakamura, I think you'll get that double-digit price on that horse probably. Um, and, you know, I could use that one as well. Well, uh, the, one, the one thing we didn't talk about in this race is pace. And Glorious Empire is likely to have the lead, but he's going to be coming from the outside. And it's going to be a fast pace uh, based on the time form pace projector. Uh, that's not the only reason. I just looked at it because I realized, hey, here's a lot of horses here that like to run near the lead. Red Right Hand likes to run on the lead. Marzo likes to run near the lead. Tis a Slam loves to be on the lead and, in fact, uh, often is... If he's not on the lead, it's usually it's a fast pace, and he's going to be going from the rail. So, so it's going to be a fast pace. So I, I, we're going to we have to give the edge to any any horse that's closing in this race, and it, you know Sadler's Joy looks like a no brainer. Uh, Red Knight could get a little bit involved in the in the hot pace. It is a pretty tough race. Um, it, there's definitely some value. This is a great contest race it's a great public handicapper type race if i were in a contest if a, this was a public handicapper race i would probably roll with red knight in this scenario 
who's six to one morning line, but may go off higher than that. Um, it's a good race. I, I, I get trying to go against Sadler's joy. I'm going to include him. I, I, I just have to, he's just, he's the fastest horse and he has the nicest pattern coming into this race. Yeah, if we were playing on public handicap or if this was a race, I would probably go with the three Nakamura and then the two Petit V. Those just from a price standpoint. Um, and I may bet this race. I have to wait and see how they play it. But um, I think Nakamura, both the two and the three, and even possibly the 11, uh, could be playable. For me, the 11 will just, it will get the lead. And when it's run well, it's run pretty fast from start to finish. I just don't know if it's, as an eight-year-old, it's ever going to get back to those really good races. Um, whereas Nakamura and Petit Fee, uh, they will be coming from out of it for sure. So although Petit Fee actually, for a European horse, won't be dropping way back, assuming it breaks alertly. Although you never know with those Euros, sometimes they get completely caught flat-footed out of the gate. But... Um, you know, this is an interesting race, and I do think Sadler's Joy will be a big underlay um, in the wind pool. Uh, I don't think you can toss him if you're playing exactas and trifectas, but in the horizontal plays, I think he's the kind of horse you want to toss just because he's such an unreliable uh, horse from a wind standpoint. Okay, well, uh, I, I respect that opinion, and it's a, it's a tough pick five either way. Let's go to the 10th race, which is a maiden claimer. It's uh, six furlongs on the dirt, two-year-olds fold in New York State. Maiden claimer, purse of 41000 What did you think here? Well, these are the kind of races why this is one of the reasons I don't play the, the New York late pick five very often. because they always stick a race like this at the end with all these first-time starters or second-time starters in a state-bred maiden claiming race where, you know, any of them can win and you don't get any idea of which ones are getting bet um, because it's the last leg. So um, I don't like this race much at all, which you probably would have guessed before I even started talking. Um, this is not the kind of race I like to play. Um, I, I think it's wide open, but the two horses that caught my attention... The most were uh, the seven-horse victory built who um, started his career with a couple of turf routes and just didn't lift a hoof. And then they moved him to the dirt sprinting, and he's been much better. He was much improved in his first start on the dirt. And then he had a second start where he went to his knees from the break, and he's a speed horse, so that sort of compromised his chances. He rushed up, ended up getting tired at the end. But um, I always like speed in these maiden claiming two-year-old races. So at, at, he's 12 to 1 on the morning line, So and he was 14 to 1 last time. So 12 to 1s probably um, could hold up. So clearly the seven-horse victory built is a horse I think you have to include, and he might be playable even uh, as a win bet in the race. Uh, the other one I was interested in was the um, the one horse, uh, Giles Rocks, who is making his second start, and in his debut, it was in the slop, and he 
showed a little speed. Um, let me see. Let me pull the past performances up. It's hard. I don't remember. Yeah, he showed a little. He was up near the front, and he tired. But that was in, on a sloppy track. And since then, he's been gelded, and he shows some really good work since he's been gelded. And he's uh, going for a trainer who's who tends to have horses that run much better in their second start than they do in their debut. So you know he could move way up, and he's twenty to one in the morning line. Um, and so you know those two, which are two of the longer prices on the morning line, I think are as likely to win as just about anything else in the race. So. Those are probably the ones I'd say you'd have to include, um, and are the possible value plays in the wind pool. Okay, well, um, I, you know, it's I, while you were talking, I looked at the chart. I looked at the race using Formulator. I looked at the start, the head-on for Victory Built, who you'll notice if you look in the uh, running line, there's no mention of the horse stumbling at the start. But yes, indeed, he did go down to his knees. And um, it's impressive that he ran as well as he did. So that is a, a, a further evidence that you sometimes, need, especially if you're going to tackle one of these things, looking at the head-on to make sure that a horse hasn't actually stumbled, you're going to have to do it. I mean, New York, the chart collar in New York is usually pretty good. Why didn't he even get that? I, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty pretty obvious that the horse stumbled at the start. So um, you must have looked at that replay because that's the way you know about it. Actually, I think they have a little notation on the thoroughgraph sheets of, of a stumble. So that's the reason why we, need, we know to look at that. Uh, the horse does look like an include to me. And uh, if if it just runs as fast as it did at Finger Lakes... It can win this race, and the horse that beat it that day went went on and won its next race. So, so that's a, a great value play. Um, there's a couple other horses that I'm interested in. Unbridled John uh, did have a problem at the start of its last race. It they the the chart comment is that he was rank, but it actually looks like he might have been hit with the whip from the horse next to him right after the start because if you look at it you can see that he veers away and the and the and the rider's horse is actually his whip is up in the air the the inside horse to him so so that horse interests me but he's only seven to two morning line um he he never looked comfortable in that race he looked ranked the whole time but the numbers still came out pretty good um as far as the other horses that have run blue city looks like the most likely winner to me just based on the pattern, um, ran a pretty good number back in at Saratoga, ran a, a nice number. Then at Belmont on September 18th, apparently was on a dead rail and was near the lead and faded. And so I'm just going to toss that race. Next race ran second, ran okay. Last race was the favorite. Still finished third, so it doesn't look that good, but the pattern shows a circle back to that Saratoga number. And he's only three to one, but I don't see him being lower than three to one. So so I would definitely include that horse. As far as <clears throat> making this 
Well, we'll talk about it. Uh, I'll let you comment on it first before we talk about the strategy of making this pick five affordable, which it's going to be tough for me to make it affordable, but it's possible. Uh, the only thing I would add, I mean, I agree there's, you can make a case for all these, is that Rudy Rodriguez is good with first-time starters, and he has Irad sticking around for the 10th race with the four-horse surprise visit, so that horse winning wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, he might make a surprise visit to the winner's circle. And um, he's pretty good second-time starter, too, and or, or not second-time, his third start, the nine-horse Imperio D, um, you know, you can excuse the last experiment on turf and his debut back at Saratoga was pretty good. So those two look pretty strong in here. And I don't remember if you mentioned either one of those, but, um, uh, you know, those are ones that are hard to leave off. Uh, oh, oh yeah. The, uh, the other horse I, I forgot to mention because I, I scrolled down to the horse that had run already is the three Carnegie song. This trainer, Dominic Chatino can he can win with a first time starter he's done it before he can do it at a price he uh i looked up his stats with two-year-old first timers at this track and he is three for 13 and it's always this time of year which is makes sense because there aren't that many two-year-old races at aqueduct at the beginning of the year uh during their spring meet he's got two bullet gateworks one of which was October 30th. It was a 48-2 gate work. And that just, that looks good to me. And his mother was fast as a two-year-old. And his siblings, one of them was kind of fast. So like, I can't play this pick five without including Carnegie Song. I just, I think it's just a, it's the kind of horse that I I can't ignore with a 48-2 gate work October 30th and then and then a, a lighter gate work a 49-2 on November 14th but it was still a bullet so so that's a, a must include for me so that brings me down to like four horses that are must includes and uh, before I talk about how I'm going to approach the ticket let's uh, let me swing it to you and uh, you said that you're not gonna play the pick five you don't think you're going to play the pick five if you were going to if, if i was like hey i'm going to give you some bankroll and i want you to tackle this pick five how would you approach it well i i like to try to use some visualizations of how you approach these kinds of wagers these multi-leg wagers and the pick you know, the when you get to these multi-leg wagers that are out like pick five even pick four and certainly pick six kind of thing of it is like you're a you're in a track meet you're doing the hurdles and you gotta you gotta hurdle each race is a hurdle and there'll be some low hurdles and some high hurdles and some medium hurdles and what you want to try to do is to me in like a pick five is you want to make sure that at least two or three of those hurdles are really low that you pretty much have them locked up um, and if you don't, then you don't play it. And so, um, and the, you can lock it up either with just a cold single, your horse you think that's unbeatable or very likely to win. Hopefully you don't think too many horses are unbeatable because you get beat up pretty bad if you do that very often. 
or maybe a race where you can pick two or three horses and you pretty much think, you know, the winners among, you know, that two or three horses. So you need to me two or three races like that, you know, easy jumps over the hurdle that don't cost a fortune. And then, um, you can have a, uh, or the other way to get a real low hurdle is to basically buy a race, you know, pretty much play, pick them all or pick seven or eight horses that you think pretty much have the winner covered within those. So, you know, I think you've got to do that. And then you only want to have maybe one or possibly two, you know, hurdles where you got to get lucky to get over that hurdle. Um, and if you do, you get paid, but you don't want to have more than like one or possibly two, because then the chances of you, you know, you're going to stumble over one of those highly likely to do that. So that just kind of, um, from a, a strategy standpoint, you want, and that's why to me, like if you have a race where you think, um, it's a lot better to have, and, and a two races of the sequence have a, a single and an all with 10 horses than to have two races with five and five, because the single and the all, you know, the all one, you got a, a, you know, really small hurdle. You can't miss that one. Um, and the single, hopefully if it's a strong single, it's not too high. Where the five and the five, you spend a lot of money and you probably still, if it's, you needed five horses, it's probably a pretty wide open race. And it probably means you're leaving some horses out that could hurt you. So that's not going to be a real small hurdle. It's still going to be a medium hurdle that you could, you can stumble over so. You know, from a strategy standpoint, you've got to knock those hurdles down. And if you're going to spend your capital, try to, to find some places where you can be real skinny and then don't be afraid to go deep where you have to. So with all that in mind, I really struggle to find a races that I can lock up in here. Um, because, you know, to me, the first race in the leg is wide open. I, I could try to beat Telephone Talker. Um, in there, but I, you know, I've got to pretty much go with everybody else. The second leg of the race, I really have a hard time. Um, you know, you like free enterprise, which is if with that opinion, that's a race where you can, could single him. You know, I really don't like him that much, but I'd have to go pretty deep in there to lock that race up with, I could probably leave the three horse Charlie McCoy out because the barn's not real good off the layoff. But I'd probably have to include the one, two, four, and five. So I'd probably have to go four deep in there. Um, and the next race to me is just absolutely wide open. Um, so if I had to play it, I would probably um, try to go skinny in there with the horses I think are the best value, the three and the four. And just that's one where I've got a high hurdle and I'm just hoping I get lucky. And I know if I do get over that hurdle, it's going to really pay because both those horses will be a price. And, um, you mean the one and the four in that race, the seven? No, the, no, I'm talking. Okay. Maybe I, in the sixth race, I think you guy got to go all minus telephone talker in the seventh race, the second leg, I would toss free enterprise. I would probably leave out the three horse, Charlie McCoy, who I, I kind of like, but I could leave out and I would go with the one, two, four, and five. So four horses in that one. And then in the eighth race, which I think is completely wide open, that's the one I'd go with the three and the four. Buffs in Love and Miss Mystique. Um, so that's the eighth race. In the ninth race, I would try to beat 
Saddler's Joy, and I'd probably, again, I'd be leaving that horse I'm a little worried about. I'm not, and this is not a low hurdle, but I'd probably use the two, three, eight, and 11. So that's four horses. I could maybe leave the 11 off, but I'd probably want to include that. So, um, and then in the last race, I, this is one where, again, it's wide open, and I would just, I'd have to, this would have to be my second big hurdle, and I'd probably just go um, one seven in here um, and hope I get over that. So that would be a all minus the one. So I'd have an 11, and then by four, by two, by four, by two which is not a real good ticket construction, but you said I had to play it, which is why I, I would be <laughs> passing it. Uh, so 11 by four by two by four by two. So that's um, 32. So that's like, you know, over 300 uh, combinations um, in there, but it will pay if it hits for sure. So I'd be like on a 50 cent pick five, you'd be spending 150 to $200 just to, just to get all those combinations in, that wouldn't be pressing anything. That would just be straight. So that's probably why I wouldn't play it. Because um, I don't really have a strong opinion where I can lock it up um, and feel like I even have some value or I can lock it up with one horse. So that's kind of where I'd go. Okay. Um, well, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the race right now. I'm looking at the... Uh, pick five totals i just have a spreadsheet so that i can quickly see how much the the sequence would cost me if uh if i went 11 deep in the first leg single to the second leg 10 deep in the third leg and then three in the fourth leg and two in the last leg it would cost 330 so i, I don't feel comfortable doing that and I, I don't really feel comfortable putting 330 on free enterprise because that's essentially what you're doing here you're you're betting uh, 330 to win on free enterprise at, at a minimum so i still might have to trim a little bit from that very first race um uh, my original play was to go eight deep and if i went eight deep in that race and then all in the third leg i'd be looking at 240 now 240 is assuming that i have two horses in the last race you sort of woke me up to victory built. He wasn't originally on my play. He, he, I marked him as a contender, but now he looks a little bit more impressive to me because I hadn't seen that stumble at the start. So he definitely looks like a contender to me. So I'm not sure what to do with him. The three horses that I was originally interested in were the two Unbridled John, the three Carnegie Song, and the four of uh, the 10 Blue City. I would be able to narrow it down here and what this is an angle this is a strategy that allows you to make your pick five ticket affordable and that is if you're going to get to that last leg be only alive to two legs to two horses in which case I would go the three Carnegie song because I really like the way the horse is working and the 10 Blue City who has the best pattern in the race and and I would be not covered if the two came in in that race, but what I would do is if I'm alive going to that last race, then I just put a big old win bet on the two to uh, for insanity insurance in case he gets out there and beats me. I could possibly also do that with Victory Built, 
and then keep the ticket at 240. It's not, you know, normally I probably wouldn't play this. The only reason why I really want to play it is because we're doing the pick five as, uh, as a, a podcast play and it would be cool to, to be able to actually hit it. So we still need to do, still need to do some work on it. If I do do the play, I will put it on Twitter and, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. And there could also be some scratches that could make things that could change things here. So uh, it looks like they will be on the turf. The weather looks like it's going to be fine for the next two days. Uh, there's a little bit of rain this afternoon in the forecast, but shouldn't, uh, shouldn't knock it off the turf. Um, yeah. And I see your play would be 352 if you went as deep as, you know, as you, if you had to. So, so I, I completely understand why you wouldn't play that race, uh, play that sequence. Um, any other thoughts on this one? Um, just, just on the betting, a couple of things. One is, to me, insurance is always a bad bet, so I don't like I don't like that at all. Um, well, you I, know, the thing about insurance is that you only you only play the insurance if you got a a really big score looming, okay. and you know it's insanity insurance. So, right, so, like, let's say you get knocked out and Free Enterprise loses as the favorite or Telephone Talker wins as the favorite in the first leg, then you're just done, and you're not going to play anything in the rest of the sequence. That's that. That's the angle. But if you are alive to uh, potentially big payoffs, then you know you may want to insure. And only if it's potentially big payoffs. So if you're looking at like a five-digit score on those two horses, then you want to at least get some compensation if the the, the horses that you trimmed go on to win it, at least get your money back. All right, I get that. I don't want you to go insane. Um, the other thing is I really am against the trimming your ticket um, approach. I would I would construct what you think are the hurt, you know, how you can set it up where you got low hurdles and high. I mean, the way I described it, what you're comfortable with, trying to lock down at least three of the races, maybe four, taking a shot in one or two making sure you have value that you're not going to get caught spending, you know, playing 10 horses and getting hit with a four to five shot. Construct that ticket. If it's affordable, you play it. If it's not, you don't. As you start trimming, then you're just, to me, you're betting against your own opinion. And it's just in the long run, that's just not the way to do it. You might get lucky and hit it, but you're probably just as likely to have one of the horses you trim beat you. And then, then you're going to go insane kind of thing. So, I really think construct that ticket, what you think is a is a hittable sequence that has some value in it, and if it's affordable, then play it. Um, if it's not, then don't. And you know, for me, I'm usually at a, playing this in a way where um, I'm not taking the caveman approach, and I get a little more sophisticated in the way I play it. Especially if there's a couple races where there's horses I really like, but um, so that you can have it more than once and if uh, uh, it comes in certain ways and you can really kill it. But, um, you know, I just don't like that trimming approach. I, I tried that not so much recently, but in the past. And I just think that's the wrong way to do it. Um, if, if it's too expensive, don't start cutting horses that you really think um, you need to be using. Because to me, that's just a losing approach. Well, I agree with that. And, and I have 
said it out loud many times and I've tweeted it that when you trim, you lose. And I had a really nice pick five that uh, over the summer that I ended up trimming two of the horses in the last race and one of them won. So, and I, I was alive going into that last leg. I did not do insanity insurance in that race and uh, I went a little kooky for a while. But I do think that this is still playable for me potentially in that, uh, based on our discussion, I only added horses to my list as we went through the sequence. So I added two horses. I, I, I decided to go all in the eighth race as opposed to uh, eight deep. And uh, I didn't trim. So if I did not go all minus the favorite in the first leg, then my my play is looking at 240. And that's without scratches. Now, if I was going to press up in the race, uh, it'll be interesting to go through the exercise of pressing up what I would do to see where that brings me because that could also reveal, like, if I can't press up, if I don't have uh, enough strong opinions to press up on something, then that may also be an indicator that I shouldn't be betting the, the pick five. Well, I think there's a good chance it will pay. It's just can you um, construct a ticket that's uh, a good value play to hit it? Um, and your you know, singling free enterprise will be the kind of key for you because you're running everything through that horse. Yeah, and uh, you know, I will say uh, the horse is going to be the favorite. The question is, what's he going to be? And let's say he's even money. Well, I've seen the pick five pay fifty grand with Lady Eli winning one of the legs at three to five, and it paid fifty grand. That was the Saratoga race. So I think there there's enough there's enough uh, bomb potential in in two of the legs, and then in the uh, in the fourth leg, I have a 12 to one that I like. And in the fifth leg, I have a, a 15 to one first time starter that I like. So it, it still has the potential to be a five digit score, even singling free enterprise. And that's why I think it's still playable, even though that's the only horse that I really like in that race. Well, you could get paid if you hit it. So if you play it, I wish you the best of luck. I, I'm almost certainly not playing the pick five, um, the late pick five at Aqueduct. All right. Well, <clears throat> then we'll leave it at that, and we will go on to our next race. This is a stakes race at Woodbine. It's the ninth race, the Coronation Futurity. It's a mile and the eighth, a mile and an eighth on synthetic. Purse of two hundred twenty-five thousand for two-year-old Canadians. And I guess I will start this race. Um, Really, only two horses that I was interested in here. One is the favorite, Muskoga Gold. The other horse is a horse that beat Muskoga Gold in his only winning race, and that is Northern Thunder, who is uh, 20 to 1 morning line. And if he goes off at 20 to 1, he's, he's worth playing. I looked at Northern Thunder's last race. He didn't do that well. He, you know, he ran pretty poorly, but uh, I'm, I need to look up and see. He he hopped inward at the start and then bumped the horse right next to him, and he never looked comfortable in the, the entire race. He, 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 was, he looked like he was flailing, and 
He still ran a small, a small new top, at least on the sheet figs. And uh, he, he, so given that he had trouble in that race, we don't know how much that trouble affected him. Could have really thrown him for a loop. I think that he's, he's playable in the race. Now, will I actually play it? I don't know if I will play the race, but at 20 to one, like it's, it's not a compelling, like, Hey, I have to bet this horse. But in the one race that he raced against Muskoka gold before that, which was his only race on synthetic, that was a two turns where he didn't have trouble. He ran well and he won the race at eight to one. So, so he is a bit of value and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it's going that day. I, I certainly will be watching the race and maybe I'll end up playing him. But I, I think he's a usable horse. Uh, the other horses don't really interest me. What did you think here? This race I thought was kind of interesting because I like the two shippers in here. Um, the one horse, Halo again, who has had one start where it won very easily sprinting on the dirt at Churchill for Steve Asmussen. And this horse had a really fast gate work before in the summer. And then he, they laid him up for several months. He didn't have any works and they brought him, that was at Keeneland. They brought him to Churchill. He wasn't working as fast, but typically you don't see Asmussen horses work super fast from the gate like he had at Keeneland. So you know he had a lot of talent um, and he showed it in his debut. He had a little bit of trouble, but he drew off. Um, that was seven furlongs on the dirt, but he's by Spitestown out of a mare who's produced several really good turf route horses, including a stakes winner named Inflexibility. Um, so this horse is bred to go long on turf, and that usually translates well to synthetic. As, um, and so to me, this horse has tremendous upside. It's uh, ships up here because I guess it's a Canadian bred. It must be, or it wouldn't be eligible for this race. Um, and uh, just really like the horse. It has speed, draws the rail. Uh, there's not a lot of speed in this race. In fact, I don't think there's anybody who can come close to going with this horse early. So I think, you know, it's a controlling speed, just tremendous upside. Uh, eight to one in the morning line. I don't know if you'll get that. Uh, but if you do, I jump all over that. I think this is the most likely winner in the race. Um, the other horse I'm a little interested in is the two-horse Tom Cat Black, who has had three starts. But if you watch this, the, the races, the horse has not had a good trip in any of the three. And it still managed to run pretty well. Uh, last time on a sloppy track, it had a, a lot of issues, but it ended up, you know, overcoming that hit in the lead and then kind of got nailed late. Um, before that was on the synth, and it had some more trouble and still ran second in their closing. Um, I just think this horse hasn't really had a chance to show how good it is. The fact that they um, are running here, you know, as a maiden in the stakes race tells you they're kind of high on the horse. It's definitely bred to like going a distance. It's by Bernardini out of a smart strike mare. So it's bred to run all day. 
Um, so those are the two I like. The one, Halo again, and the two, Tomcat Black. All right. Well, uh, it's uh, an interesting race. If you want to take a stab, it would be a, a, a good public handicapper race. The favorite, the seven, Muskoga Gold, does look really good, but the other horses clearly have a shot, a right to improve, and it's a good angle. I, I'll have to look at that race for the one horse, Halo, again, to see how easily he won because, yeah, definitely some serious breeding. And second time out, uh, just going from seven furlongs to a mile and eighth, should not be a problem. So, yeah, eight to one, maybe the horse goes off at, we'll see how they play it. It definitely is maybe a little bit more interesting than the six, Northern Thunder. But then again, Northern Thunder, if you watch that September 15th race where he beat Muskoga Gold and was eight to one, there he looked like he was, he was running the way he was capable of. Whereas on the 27th, uh, in his last race, he had that, that, that bad start and never looked comfortable. Uh, so, so at 21, he's still, uh, still a really interesting play. Um, anything else to add on this race? No, I don't disagree with you on Northern Thunder. I, I don't think Muskoga Gold is as strong as you do, but, um, and the horses run pretty well, but it's you know it's it's only one one out of three, and it's last it's races you know with the horses with all these upside. I just don't think it lays over the field, you know, and at likely four to five. I I'm not at all um, unwilling to take a shot against beating that horse. All right, well. Um... Enough on that race. Let's go to the eighth race at Del Mar. The native diver stakes at a mile and an eighth on the dirt. Purse of 100000 for three-year-olds and up. What did you think here? Well, this is a, 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 an interesting race. There's some talented horses in here. Um, so I, you know, it's, and they're pretty evenly matched. Um, you got a mix of horses that are kind of proven and pretty fast against a couple of horses that have a lot of upside and could be sitting on big races. Um, for me, I'm typically, I'm always looking for value, but usually the values in playing a horse to, to improve versus playing a horse to, you know, run back to its best races. So um, I'm kind of biased towards the upside horses and those the two real upside horses in here are the three-year-olds Roadster and Extra Hope. And Roadster is trained by Bob Baffert, so there won't be any value there. He's five to two on the morning line, but I think that's just a bad morning line. Um, I think he'll be a heavy favorite in here, uh, and he certainly could win. He's not the kind of favorite I'm dying to bet against. Um, I do think he looks really solid. Um, but the other three-year-olds coming out of a race – uh, the same race as Roadster, Extra Hope, who I think is another with a lot of upside um, and could run a big race in here. He may run a big race and still not beat Roadster, but I don't think there's 
uh, it's impossible for him to improve enough and to beat Roadster. Uh, even though he he was beaten by Roadster last out. So, you know, those are probably the two main contenders in here, but you can make a case for others. The other one that's kind of interesting to me is 235, the six horse, who is three to one on the morning line. But, you know, I don't know if I, I think that horse could go off a higher, but I might be wrong. Um, and he's really sharp right now. And he he has one like really fast race last summer. Um, and if he were to run that in here, he'll win. And he might be pointed back to that race. Uh, that race might be a little bit of an anomaly, but I checked the figure um, on a couple different sources and they all have it as being uh, really fast. So I think he legitimately ran a really big race on that day. I, I just don't know if he could ever run back to it, but if he could, he can win. And he certainly his last was his best race in, of this year. So uh, if he were to at three to one, I'm not interested, but you know, with all these big name connection horses in here, um, there's a chance he could float up above that three to one morning line. And that's the other one I might be interested in, but it's hard to get much value in this race unless extra hope really does go off at, you know, six or eight to one, um, which I think is unlikely given, you know, Flavian Pratt's riding and Richard Mandela's training. Well, in a four-horse race, last race, he was 9-1, to one, and he lost, and he finished third. So I think he will be 6-1, to one, and he had Flavian Pratt riding him that day, too. I am trying to – I was trying to make a case for him, and I think the case is actually a little bit compelling. He ran pretty fast as a two-year-old. He ran at least as fast as Roadster as a two-year-old, and – did it going two turns. He ran a couple of solid races as an early three-year-old, then took some time off, came back on the turf, tossed that race. Next race, which was his last against Roadster, he was on the inside the whole time. He didn't look... It, if you look at the... That was Breeders' Cup Day. And if you look at all the races, none of the horses that won were on the inside. There was one horse that won on the lead, and that was spun to run. But he was too wide the entire time, a little wider on the turns. And then when he went into the stretch, he, he wheeled out four to five wide. So Extra Hope was on the inside of the track. I think it looked really preppy. And at the end of the race, he galloped out well ahead of all the other horses. And Mandela is a master. His sweet spot is going third race off a layoff where he's 19% and has an ROI of $2.12. So given that he's only improved a little bit from his two-year-old best, and this is third off a layoff, and that looked preppy, and finally he's carrying seven pounds less than Roadster, seven pounds, which given that he was only a length and three quarters behind him in the last race, uh, that seven pounds could make that difference right there. And that's if extra hope doesn't improve. So, so I think he's got a great shot. The other horse that I'm interested in who is only seven to two morning line, but I think will go off higher. And that is the one leading score 
who ran pretty fast as a young three-year-old and was off for nearly two years, came back and going two turns, matched that top in a second race back, took a little bit of time off, was working really well, and in his last race, as the favorite, didn't do anything. He finished third. Uh, I I haven't watched the race. I haven't had time to, to do that yet, but the pattern says to me that he's going to run better than he's ever run before the race of his life. And if he can get the mile and an eighth, and I'm not sure of that as a midnight loot, but given that the mother is a, a daughter of flying Chevron, maybe he can. And I'm going to have to look a little bit more at the breeding on that, but that's another horse that I'm interested in. And I haven't handicapped the rest of the Del Mar card, but if I get involved in the pick five, I think that there's value in actually going against Roadster in this race. I think he's very vulnerable going, uh, running a big number, his best number, uh, going seven furlongs, and and on relatively short rest, coming back and running a mile and an eighth. I and I think they're just going to crush him, and I think that's that's the play is to to go against him. the 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 only question is whether I'm actually going to do it, and if I do it, it would be within the the scope of a pick five or a pick four. Okay. I uh, don't, I mean, I also, I, I think leading score is dangerous, especially depending on the pace. Um, he'll be on the lead. Uh, and depends on what the rail's like at Del Mar. Uh, Mid court is solid too. Horse fits in the race too. Um, wouldn't shock me if it wins. Um, so it's a pretty competitive race. Uh, and uh, I just don't know if there's going to be any value on any of those. I'll have to kind of watch how it get, the race gets bet. If they were to hammer Roadster, all of a sudden it might be a playable race. Um, I mean, by hammering, I mean down to like three to five or four to five. Um, then someone like Extra Hope or 235 might be playable for me um, if they float up. Um, but that's the only way I would get interested in this race. All right. Well, that will do it for the races that we are scheduled to cover. Are there any other races that you're interested in this Saturday? Uh, not that I've looked at yet. I, since we were covering that pick five, I spent time on that one. Um, probably more time on some of those races than I typically would. So I haven't really looked at anything else. Um, so that's about all I've got for now. All right. Well, then that will conclude the PH pod for today. Uh, I will be tweeting out. Uh, I'll tweet out if I do play the pick five. Uh, I guess I'll tweet out if I don't play it, but uh, we'll see. And I will actually tweet out the play just out of interest. And um, we'll see how that goes. So thank you, Chris. Thanks to our listeners. And as usual, we'll say goodbye with the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. Cheers.